0: Unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriter's Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Welcome back to the Copywriter's Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, Nathan. How about you?
0: I'm doing great as well. And for the audio only listeners, they're missing out. So if you're checking this podcast out before we even get started, I would say check out the Copywriters Podcast on YouTube because we've got some exciting visuals going on in today's episode. And I'll let you explain what the heck the people who are watching are seeing right now, David.
1: Well, our guest John Williamson is wearing a multicolored bowler hat. I'm not sure what Uh kind of hat. uh Yeah. Let me explain about John. We're back with the unconventional and incredibly creative marketer, John Williamson. Last week, he went into depth on his powerful technique called emotional lockpicking. And we asked him to join us again, which he agreed to do. John lives in an undisclosed location on the side of a mountain in Scotland. And over the last 30 years, he has generated millions of dollars in sales for himself and his clients with his own special brand of unique selling propositions. He's also come up with some very interesting ideas about elevator pitches and even how to close a deal with a stuffed tortoise. I find his ideas fascinating and I'm expecting, hoping he'll share some more of them with us today one of John's favorite quotes is all things being equal people buy on price, which is why your number one job as an entrepreneur is to ensure that things aren't equal. Probably related to that idea is a speech he has given over 250 times called how to charge higher prices than your competitors and still in the business. I really want to hear what John has to say today. Right now, even more, I want to tell you this copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast, and most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So, John, welcome and and thanks for coming back.
2: Thank you David, Nathan, thank you. David, can I make just one tiny correction before we get started? Well, if you insist. The tortoise is not stuffed, it's live. It's a real tortoise. So so let's just get that on the table. Now this one well, this one this one's a puppet, but in reality when we get to it it's a live one. Oh, you use a live one
1: in the act. Okay, fair enough. Fair just wanted enough. to get
2: that out there. So
1: You're all about attention, right? I mean, you're making the case, which I agree with, that these days, more valuable than money, more valuable than market share, blah, blah, is attention. It's really rare. And as business people, our first job is to get it. So, like, we've got a bunch of things um, to talk about today, I guess, how to rope in attention, elevator pitches, Tortoises, USPs. Where would you like to start? I
2: don't know. What do you, what do you think interests people know? I mean, you've, you've mentioned the tortoise a couple of times. So, so perhaps should we start there? Let us let, start with that as a way of doing it. First thing, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this off for a few moments because it's hot under there.
1: Oh my god! I know it's like a little nuclear reactor, right? Yeah,
2: under there. Here, let me introduce you to Harry. Harry is this one's a this one's a puppet. So you can put your hand in there and you can do all this because obviously when I'm doing this stuff on stages and things and showing people how to do this and teaching them, uh, it would be unfair to take a tortoise everywhere I went. I mean, it's just not fair, is it? So um, so this is the this is the, uh, the version I use for, for the stage shows and things. But when it actually comes to um, the reality of using this in public, it's a live one. And that's an important part of the puzzle. So let me tell you the story behind this one. So um, I I, I get talking to this young guy who runs a – he's an IT service provider. Okay. So he goes in and he he does all the stuff that these IT guys do. He he, he fixes up all your cap cabling and reroutes and reconfigures. And goodness knows what. I mean, I'll say goodness knows what, David, because here's the way it works. I sit down with him and say, Adam, what's the problem? He says, "Uh, well, here's the problem. I give people my presentation, and nine times out of ten – they say, that was really interesting. Can you send me a proposal? And I said, and then what happens? He says, I can't get back on the phone or they make excuses or it's too easy. You, you know the way the story goes here. So asking okay. for the proposal is a polite way of saying, no, well, you've not convinced me. Or usually this is the case. I don't really understand what you do, how you do it, why this is beneficial to me, etc. We could go on with that one, yeah? So there's, yeah. there's some kind of a now between what I've said on what you've understood and what how you've interpreted the offer. So I sit down and say, just show me a presentation, will you? It's like an hour long. And this guy goes the ins and outs. I mean, by the end of it, you could literally have some kind of a PhD in some, some kind of computer science. This is what experts do, right? You get yeah. an expert in front of someone. I've worked with tons of management consultants, like way cleverer than me but they try and convey and share and, and tell everything they've ever learned about everything they're going to do. And they've not figured out how to simplify it. Maybe that's because
1: that's how they got rewarded in school. And they haven't made a clear enough unconscious distinction between school and the real world. That's they fascinating. Think, well, if I get an A in school or if I get my dissertation approved or, my, or pass my dissertation defense or whatever the hell they're doing, they figure well same thing ought to work with the client and it doesn't
2: yeah I, I love that i love that a lot um and it sort of you probably just explained to me how and why i'm able to do a lot of what i'm able to do because why academically- is that because you have two phds <laughs> i never got that far i barely scraped out a high school mate uh, and thankfully we're going back a long long time ago now so it's not that important but like school academically nah but that bit, like reasoning, common sense, all that kind of stuff, just sort of slotted into place for me. And I had not experience, I'm going to say it very quickly, but I went to one of these inter-school camping things in the summer. You know, where all the kids from all the different schools come to a central location and you canoe and horse ride and archery and all that kind of stuff for like a week. And we yeah. got there and the, 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 literally 10 minutes before the representative from our school is about to get up on stage and do the talent show, they lose it. They lose their nerve. They're sat in the corner. They're shaking like, and the the teacher goes, we can't put them on stage. We're just going to have to withdraw. And something inside of me, David said, put your hand up and say, I'll do it. So I put my hand up and said, I'll do it. I had no act. I had no talent. I had no preparation. I just walked out in front of that audience and created a show out of thin air. And 20 minutes later, I'd won the competition. Wow. Congratulations. All these super smart people who could play the fiddle and they could sing and they could whatever recite stuff and i just walked in there and, and out of the blue using my imagination which i've got pretty good at doing now i was able to captivate and hold that audience for that 20 minutes and like i say end of the thing i won the whole competition so i get what you saying. that's really interesting there because i sort of i lived off that so that like fired me up like that one instance said hey i can do that i don't have to be like that guy over there who's gonna get the phd i can just be me and if I can get the attention, everything else drops into place. Mm. That's really fascinating. Thanks for the therapy session there, David. Oh, you're welcome. It wasn't meant as a the therapy <laughs>
1: session, but okay, sure. Glad it, it helped. <laughs> so we're back with Adam, right? What's that? We're back, we're back with we're, Adam. Ad, Adam is the
2: tortoise? No, no. Harry's the tortoise. Mm. Adam's the, uh, the IT consultant. Yes, we're back with Adam. So he's there and he's going I've got to turn this around. I've I've been growing the business. I've got all these guys in the back now doing all the work. I you know, I I've, I've been moving it forward so I've got overhead and it's not like in the old days where it was just me. I can't live on one in 10 people saying yes. So I said okay, we need to have a little look at this. And as it happened, outside he had this beautiful office and and to the side of it was a garden area and there were some tortoises running well, I say running around, crawling around in there which I spotted on the way in. And I don't know what it is about my brain, but it just captures ideas and things just like, they just swirl around inside. And I said, I think I've got you a new presentation. I said, go out and grab one of those tortoises, will you? <laughs> so we went out got a tortoise, brings it back in. How big was it? not big just like not much bigger than that like a medium-sized tortoise so it's not like one of these big things from the Galapagos Islands or something like that yeah you're yeah. gonna you have to literally put it under his arm or anything like that just like a yeah. fairly normal sized one yeah. so he brings it in and I quickly bashed together a presentation and I said here's what I want you to do from now on walk into your meetings no laptop no briefcase just a tortoise in the palm of your hand and I want you to walk in and this is what will happen most times, you know, people are a little bit preoccupied when you're going into a meeting in the first place. So like they're working on whatever they're working they're on a call, whatever. And I said, and what will happen is they will look up, they will see your tortoise and they will double take, like they just won't be able to control it. All right. And we've done stage one. We've got the attention. Oh yeah. Good. And then, then what happens is this, as you're walking up, you literally say to them, notice you're looking at my tortoise. You're probably wondering why I brought it with me today. I'll show you. Now, there's a lot of NLP in those three sentences, neuro-linguistic programming. Uh,
1: I was observing that as you were telling me, Okay,
2: yeah. as you go in, notice you're looking at, so you're actually telling them what to notice, and that because they did notice it, they're saying, okay, yeah, we're, we're in alignment, agreement here. Probably wondering why I brought it today. Of course they are. So internally, they're nodding away. I'll show you. So you're actually giving them exactly what they want without them actually having to ask for it in the first place. And then in this instance, he literally pops it down on the table, points at it and says that was designed to go slow about 18 million years ago. It'll still be going slow about 18 million years from now. You know, these things got about 0.63 miles per hour. If you stuck a really juicy piece of lettuce, you might be able to get it up to about 0.7 miles per hour. But that's all it's ever going to do. Computers were not designed to go slow. They were designed to go fast if you've got slow computers in this business i can get them racing like a greyhound whoa that's it the whole presentation how long did that take like about a minute Uh, yeah i guess Maybe. so we go from an hour to a minute with people saying to him we've got that problem I keep hearing the guys or the gals in the back saying things are grinding, they're taking too long, it doesn't work like it used to, we're adding stuff and taking stuff away, and rec- we're trying to get away with it and, and you've just described our problem, I'm sick of it. So yeah, what does that look like? How do you solve that problem for us? Now, the service he offered before was exactly the same as the service today, but it went from an hours worth of, uh, hey, give us a proposal, let's think about this, because he was talking about cat5 cabling and blah, 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 et cetera, giving them an emotionalized understanding of the problem, which they could instantly relate to and say, yes, please. And so his business went like that. The funniest part is his own accountant who he'd had for years and years. And I said, have you ever, ever been able to get your accountant to to buy your services? He went, no. Have you presented? He says, yeah, I presented all the time. I mean, obviously I pay him money. He should pay me money. I said, damn right. So I said, go back to him with the tortoise and did it. He went back, you know what the guy said? But why did you never explain it like that before? Now I know what you do, Picked up a client.
1: There are so many lessons in that because I have always found that accountants, engineers and lawyers are the most difficult people to sell. Now, I know you haven't. I know that you've done very well with accountants, but then I've. it was only last week that I used a patented John Williamson method, you know, with the cowbell. <laughs> in the first place. So things could change, but no, I, I love that story. You know, I'm wondering if, if we could change directions. It's not even, we had talked about this, but it's not even in the agenda. You had talked about, this is in a pre-meeting, not on the podcast. You had talked about persuasion and, you know, NLP and things like that. And one point you made to me is you've got to go out and try these things and practice them and repeat them for them to work and i think so often with people's attention split in so many directions and the sense that they have no time although you'd probably agree with me that we actually have the same amount of time we have now as we have in 1066 when the magna carta (laughs) was written 24 hours a day but if you take that focused time to practice on even just a few skills, it it puts you leagues ahead of everyone else. Would you like to talk about that at all?
2: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, so again, this is a, a part of the NLP framework, but it, it's about acquiring mastery, and very very few people actually acquire mastery at, or almost anything nowadays. I'm I'm, I'm going to presumptively say that because I mean a lot of people. I've talked to a lot of people who could be a lot better than they are, um, but they aren't because they dabble. There's way too much dabbling going on, way too much shiny object syndrome, jumping from this to that to the other, you know, whatever takes your fancy. But the whole concept behind the four levels is that everybody starts at a level where we have unconscious incompetence. So we don't know what we don't know. Mm -hmm. And then we go to conscious incompetence where we know that we don't know something. And then we go to conscious competence where we know what to do, but we really have to think about it. Like we don't just do it on autopilot. We have to think the gears grind as we're doing it. And eventually you get to unconscious competence where you don't know what you're doing. You just do it. So driving a car is a classic example. The very first time you ever sit in the car to drive it, you miss out next to your dad for like 20 years, right? And you Mm -hmm. go, that's easy. You get in the car and instantly within about two minutes, you go, I have unconscious, sorry, I have unconscious incompetence. I don't know what, I I, I can't do this. Within a minute, you've got conscious incompetence. You know what you can't do. It's really difficult to do the stick and the the, the puddles and I don't drive at the moment. So to do all that kind of stuff together, practice several weeks later, you've got conscious competence. You can drive the car, but it's not natural. You have to think about it. You still stall it every so often. The guy next to you keeps saying, no, look in your mirror again. You 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 still have to grind away and think about all those things you have to do. And then eventually one day, with enough practice and hopefully you pass your test, you get to the point where you're driving down the road one day across town, you've done 20 minutes, you've gone through three sets of stoplights, you can't remember a thing about it, and you've arrived at your destination because you've then got to that unconscious competence level. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, yeah. So the
2: concept with the stuff I teach people is this, that all this NLP frameworks, whether we're doing unique selling propositions, whether we're doing stuff like the emotional lock picking, but whether we're doing, I mean emotional lock picking. Man, I grinded to get good at that. Like I need to just sit down in front of a couple of people and have random conversations and get good at it. The reason why I can get six, just speak to six existing best customers now to figure out dramatically what that, that headline, that that's me statement is going to be, is because I've done it hundreds, if not thousands of times. And I've... Navigating my way through it, I've gained the competence of being able to whoever's on that call get rapport with them really, really quickly, and and listen like properly listen between the words about what's actually going on. And so, something like this, let me give you an example. I can teach some somebody something like this, whether it's the the apples presentation I do, whether it's the bowler hat presentation. I've got a whole bunch of bowler hats, so I teach loads of different presentations. If I just show it somebody today. By the end of the session, they've probably got conscious competence. Like, you know, they can do it, but their body language isn't quite right. The tone of voice is a bit hesitant. That They're not too sure of the words. Like I can just do those three sentences now just like that. I can drop purposely like it's notice. I, it's not do, do you notice, did you notice. It's notice you're looking at the. So it takes a bit of effort to say that. But you have to get into that flow where you can just do it at any given moment in time. So it takes practice. So when I give something like this to someone, what I do is I use the old army trick, which apparently the U.S. Army back in the day, if somebody wanted to join the parachute regiment, they would put them in a plane, fly them up, chuck them out. They get to the ground. They put them in a plane. They take them up. They chuck them out. They do that six times. Quick succession. Quick succession didn't matter how successful if the first one was like yeah that's really cool i can do that forever they went no you're gonna do it six times and that guy that was like shaking like a leaf when he hit the ground they put him back in and make him do it six times in a row super fast to break through that thing of is this going to be safe and painless and all that kind of thing and so i'm a big believer in something called immersion training so mm. whenever i'm working with somebody or whether we're doing something we really immerse them in it give them one thing to practice one thing to do repeatedly over and over again until they reach that conscious uh, sorry unconscious competence stage did i overcook that is this gone like phd on everyone no this is great and you know this is if you think about
1: back to the karate kid and you know daniel's painting the fence but also in the actual not in the movies but in real martial arts they will just have you drill on one skill one skill one skill one skill and then They'll have you drill on a second skill, a second skill, a second skill. A second, and then they'll have you drill on both skills, both skills. And, you know, it goes against so many things people want, think, need, believe. But the people who get good, the people who are on the path of mastery do exactly what yeah. you say. All right, let, let's get into some juicy stuff. But uh, thank you. We've never really talked uh, talked about this quite this way. I mean, we have, Nathan, we've talked about mastery and things like this. But I love the way John presents it It's so much better. So tell us
2: about USPs. Okay, cool. So now you're on my thing, right? USPs. I mean, this is where I started. This is where David, you know, we're of a similar age. So like in the 80s, 90s, every client you ever sat down with USP. I mean, that's what we talked about. There were no other shiny bells and whistles. It was like, we're gonna get USP ticks. And people sit there, what's a USP? Unique selling proposition. Okay. And I know people have tried to mess with that. But you know, framework wise, unique selling proposition still works. And so I decided, because I've got a bit of marketing OCD, and I love mastery, I was going to do nothing but USPs. Like, I don't care why they rang me up. I don't care what they wanted to talk about. The problem was a nail, and the hammer was USPs, and that was the end of it. And so I would go in and do nothing but USPs. And over a period of time, I started to develop frameworks, because USPs are difficult. Like, let's all put our hands up. They're not the easiest thing in the world to do. Otherwise everybody would just do it. Like they, they just go, yeah, okay. I can knock one of those out and off you go. But it, they are hard to do. And as we talked about last week with the, the kitchen company, mm-hmm. the bigger, the better, the faster, the ch- all those things are really difficult to defend. Like the kitchen company, we got the biggest showroom in the world and they ended up just being the showroom for all the other kitchen companies. And still not getting the business. And so the USP, you have to really craft it and think about it and think about the problem you're really solving. And the problem you're really solving is quite important. So I had a bunch prepared that we can talk about. We've got like the fatal flaw USP, the guillotine USP, the white knight uh, USP and the contrarian USP. I mean, I've got dozens of these different frameworks, but I'm going to talk with your permission, if this is OK. I'm going to go to the contrarian one. Because sure. I've been posting about that recently, and, and it seems to really resonate with people. They they sort of get the picture, and I think given the amount of time we probably haven't got left, it's probably the quickest one I can do. So I get a phone call from this this guy who runs a hotel, it's so got a big hotel, and he, he goes to one of my seminars on USP, and he comes up to me afterwards, and um, basically, cut long story short, can you help me? I'm in trouble. So I go to see him and his wife in this hotel, and they're in trouble. Like there's a recession on it's in a a vacation resort like there are literally a thousand other hotels like times are dire like the bank has literally been knocking on the front door and saying we want the keys back or the money like you know it got to that point so prices are coming down occupancy rates aren't there it says mess. and on top of that the guy's getting grumpier and grumpier and grumpier Mm -hmm. and laughingly you know what their usp had been no. The friendliest hotel in town. <laughs> uh, yeah, like maybe not, huh? <laughs> uh-huh. So the friendliest hotel in town. I'm sitting, this guy is like, he's a big guy. Like he's a big, I call him an ogre of a guy. I mean, in, and I do that politely, he's just a big, he's what we would have thought of as Jack Reacher in, in uh, Lee Chow's stuff, yeah? He's that guy, yeah, yeah big guy. Checkers of vacuum, thick accent, okay? Yeah. And so he's sitting there recanting how difficult the problem's got and all the rest of it. And all of a sudden, there's these kids been running around the hotel. Like, you know what kids do? Like kids yeah, go away exactly. and it's exciting, it's new, and, and the parents just want to have a drink. So they're letting them off the leash a bit and all that kind of stuff. And so this gang of kids are running around all over the place. And eventually this uh Czechoslovakian guy, he loses it. He stands up and in Czechoslovakian he literally fills the room with abuse. The parents are literally frozen in their seats. And when he stops it's very clear what should happen everybody out of the lounge and so they all get up they heard the kids and off they go and i'm like man i I, i've got a usp for this i mean i've got a usp for that i've got a usp for somebody who's having problems like that yeah and so i've got to the point now where i can look at a situation and quickly go through the list and go okay that one will probably fit over here because in this instance, his personality and the situation that had arisen, circumstantially because of the e- economic environment, etc. So I sat there and I went, "I know what your USP is." So I got a pen, and I'll do it on the blackboard just for dramatic effect. I wrote okay. on the piece of paper these three words: "No, kids, guaranteed." No kids guaranteed. I said, that's the headline for your ads. In fact, no, not the headline. That's your entire ad from now on. No kids guaranteed, hotel name and address, telephone number. He's like, you crazy. And I'm like, think about it. Anyway, long story short, I had to have several meetings with him to convince him that it was worth giving it a try. I dragged the accountants in. I sat down with the accountants and said, you tell me what size of problem I need to solve here but I'm not just gonna do this and try and fill the hotel. I need you to tell me how much I need to sell each room at maximum occupancy for the rest of the season to get these people out of the doodah. So we sat down and we worked out the rate. The rate was, I can't remember, what it it was way above the competition. And I I still remember this guy's face. It was like, this is crazy. And I said, what have we got to lose? You're losing everything. What have you got to lose? There are people like you, and me who hate going into a hotel when I'm going away for a bit of peace. I've got kids like right? so I've nothing against kids but I make my kids behave I'm very conscious of how they're impacting the other people in the environment but a lot of people aren't like that and I said yeah. so if somebody said to me no kids guaranteed in a hotel man I'm in so I said let's give it a try so uh we rang the newspaper we gave them a copy for the ad <laughs> you know like you got somebody at the other end in the other they got the pen ready like they're going to write it all down and we went no kids guaranteed yeah what else now that's it no kids guaranteed hang on a minute i need to talk to somebody five minutes later had a chat with legal don't think this is going to fly i'm like put legal on the phone we literally spent over an hour on the phone getting that ad approved to run in the newspaper they were like whoa like what's going to happen if we do that that's a bit controversial yeah Anyway, long story short, again, we run the ad. Guess what happens? The phones ringed off the hook. Like the guy's ringing me saying, what have you done? <laughs> I'm saying, what's the problem? He says, we can't do any work. The phones just don't stop ringing. And the phones Perfect. rang and rang and rang and rang. And long story again, they filled out the hotel for the rest of the season. The best bit is this. They got a cash offer on the hotel at the end of the season they're able to go back into the bank with a big fat check and stick that in the account rather than handing the keys back. Mm, so that uh, that's a classic example of like unique sign proposition, no kids guaranteed. It just works. It's super
1: and, simple. And it's contrarian because, you know, I mean, at, at I don't know if it's at hotels or restaurants, there's always this little tagline kids eat free or, you know, or no yeah. extra charge for kids or so. So
2: this, this is very contrarian. Just one quick point in that, because it might be relevant and interesting to people, but the, the whole point with the USPs is this, and I've written about this, the, the thing that's necessary is bravery. Like you have to be brave to go out on a limb like that. You have to be brave to be the one that says that kind of stuff, yeah? The, the guy literally had people from a national newspaper camping on his door. He opens the front door to his hotel one morning, and there's news reporters outside with cameras. They're like outraged and we're going to outrage you to, the, you know, we had two local suppliers who, who rang him and said, we're not going to supply you anymore. Like, listen, if you're going to go out on the limb, you're polarizing yourself. The very best USPs polarize. You're looking for people in the marketplace, going back to what we talked about last time, that will are and will prepare to pay more money than the average person. We're looking for those people. We're looking for how do we design our business to be more attractive to them, even though it alienates a lot of other people. Now, again, this is a one-off example. So I don't want people just running out there and going, hey, we can just cut and dry and do it and all that. that there are processes to, to go through to double check. Are we making the right decision here? Is it, is it on the right side of safety and all that kind of thing? But fundamentally, bravery. That's what it takes. That's awesome.
1: So in the intervening week, between our first podcast and this one, it seems like you've started one or two Facebook groups and you're having the same response as the Czech guy in the
2: hotel. Is that, you tell us about them? Yeah. (laughs) So we'd already decided to start Attention Bandits, a free Facebook group, uh, which is where, uh, you know, people can come and hang out with us. And we share all these stories from the last 30 years. I I recount them, we, we dimensionalize them, we put posts up, we're doing Facebook Lives. So if anybody's interested in like getting attention in the marketplace and, and they really want to break away from the competitors and, and, and do something different. Uh, attention bandits is brilliant. And then we've got attention wizards, um, which is for people who really want to go deep. And, and the stuff we talked about last time with the emotional lock picking, I mean, we can't teach emotional lock picking to people. What we can do over a period of a year is we can teach them all the stepping stones we've used to develop that skill. So we can take them from unconscious, sorry, conscious incompetence. We can take them through that ladder of mastery by giving them all the things to practice and do, which will develop the brain in such a way that they can literally run a business out of six best customers. They can literally go, give me six best customers and I can build you a whole new revenue stream. I can take you on exponential growth or or, or whatever the need is. So attention bandits and attention wizards. Yeah, just forget attention wizards. That's by invite only. That's like when people have really got what we're about. So attention bandits, free Facebook group, Uh, Super happy to have anybody who's got an interest in the stuff we've been sharing. Uh, Come and and join us for some more.
0: I'm just going to say thank you so much for coming on. This has been a fantastic back-to-back episode run. And I really like the name Attention Wizards for unknown reasons. But, uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on. (laughs) David, thank you for booking this. And, Jonathan, if people want to find you, do you have a website or anywhere? Or is just the Facebook group the best
2: place to find you? Yeah, rhodeswilliamson.com r h o d e s williamson.com we can put i guess that in the show notes or something but attention bandits is really the place to hang out with us that that's we spend a lot of time in there now and and sharing a lot of stuff so i'd say attention bandits
0: awesome thank you and if you want to catch more of this podcast you can do that over at copywriterspodcast.com gentlemen thank you for a fantastic two episodes i appreciate it i know the listeners appreciate it and until next time we will catch you later
2: Catch you later. Nathan, David, thank you.
1: Do you have a problem with Kindle books? I do. Sometimes I really just want to hold a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes. That's one reason I recently released the print version of my book, Breakthrough Copywriting. And listen to this. On Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world. Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands, including one from an A list screenwriter and marketer in LA's famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an A lister yourself or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 a head seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.